This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I will be your host. I appreciate you so much for tuning in to this week's episode, and boy, oh boy, do we have a very exciting topic. Today, we're going to be sharing an untapped argument for God being only one person, and this is going to be the first of two parts in this small two-episode series. So this is episode 202. Again, I appreciate you so much for joining us this week at the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. But let's get right into it. The New Testament, which of course was originally written in Greek, it wasn't written in Hebrew, it wasn't written in Aramaic, it was originally written in Greek. And in the Greek language, there are some very interesting ways that you can express the subject being a single person. And the various ways that the Greek can portray the subject as a single person have not quite been appreciated, in my opinion, by biblical Unitarians in their attempt to persuade other people of the important truth that the New Testament God is only one person, the Father alone. In fact, God in the New Testament, namely the Father, will talk and describe himself with a bunch of singular references. And I'm not just talking about the number one. It's very easy to look for references of the Shema, the Creed of Israel, that defines the Lord God as a single person. That's easy. That's an argument that has been used and continues to be used, and it should be one of the main things that is discussed in these sort of conversations. But... The ways in which the New Testament Greek continues to portray God as a single person are ways that aren't quite either understood by readers of the New Testament or we just haven't made full use of them. And So I want to discuss some of those today. I have, I think, eight references from the New Testament and we'll have a few more in next week's episode. So let's look at these, and you'll get to see how some of these points work. Now, I will say at the beginning that some of this stuff is going to deal with the Greek language. However, you will be able to see the singular references in pretty much any modern English translation that is a standard version. I encourage people to be reading the Bible in standard versions. What I mean by that is versions that have an S in it in their acronym, like the New American Standard Version, the New Revised Standard Version, the English Standard Version, etc., etc. Standard versions typically are literal translations as much as they reasonably can be, and so they avoid the ridiculous nuance at times with the colorful ways that people translate that is not quite as literal as we would like it to be. So let's look at some of these passages that talk about God's oneness and the fact that he is a single person. He is only 
one person. So let's look at this particular passage. The first one we're going to look at today is in Romans chapter 11, verse 4. Romans 11, verse 4. And this is where Paul is talking. And Paul says, but what is the divine response to him? And then Paul goes and he quotes from the Hebrew Bible, he quotes from the Old Testament, with God speaking. So the quotation here is God talking. And it says, I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. End quote. That's Romans 11, verse 4. So there in that interesting section of Romans, chapters 9 through 11, Paul gives this particular passage about the many persons who have not given allegiance to Baal. But God speaks in a way there by saying, I have kept for myself. And here in the Greek, we have the reflexive pronoun, em afto, in the dative, and a reflexive pronoun indicates, at least this one in particular, that the subject is singular, is one person. It can't be more than one person, otherwise the form would be different. So the speaker here, God, says that I have kept for myself. So of course there the singular verb would also indicate that God is a single person. But what's interesting here is the point that I'm trying to emphasize, namely this singular reference with the reflexive pronoun. I have kept for myself. It's a pronoun referring back to the speaker, describing him as a single person, em afto in Greek. So there you have it, Romans 11 verse 4, a passage that describes God unambiguously as a single person. Not two persons, certainly not three persons, only as one person. Let's look at our next passage. Second passage we'll look at today is in Matthew chapter 21, verse 16. Matthew 21, verse 16. Jesus is speaking. The narrator tells us, Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise for yourself? That is Matthew 21, verse 16. And this is Jesus calling on a passage from the Old Testament, from the Hebrew Bible, and he is describing God and what God has done. Jesus says, in reference to God, that out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise for yourself. Prepared praise for yourself. Now, when you look in the Greek, we're not going to find an independent pronoun. We're not going to find a reflexive pronoun. What we're going to find is a verb that is aorist middle. And the middle verbs that are in the middle voice are verbs that refer to the speaker. And so that's why they are translated preparing for yourself, preparing praise for yourself, but the fact that they are written in that way, of course, even though the verb 
is singular, the middle voice indicates that it is referring back to the subject. And so it's another, in my opinion, untapped argument to demonstrate that God is a single person. And Jesus here is telling us that someone other than himself, namely God, is described with this singular reference. So in an interesting way, Jesus is telling us that God is a single person with this reference. That's the implication of God being described with the middle voice. So again, in Matthew 21, 16, the verb prepared is in the middle voice. So God has prepared for himself. That's how the middle voice functions. And it's just an indication that God is one person. Let's look at our next passage, passage number three. This is a very important passage out of the Gospel of John. And it's John chapter 17, verses three through five. In John 17, three, Jesus says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Jesus goes on in verse four, I have glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. And then we get verse five, and I'm only going to read the first part of the sentence to really make this point. So Jesus says at the beginning of John 17, five, now father, glorify me together with yourself. Again, now, Father, glorify me together with yourself. So that entire passage of John 17, verses 3 through 5, culminates in this part in verse 5, where Jesus describes the person to whom he is praying as someone who is a single person. With this phrase, with yourself. In Greek, this is again a reflexive pronoun, seafto referring to one person. So Jesus here describes the only true God as someone who is a single person. That only true God is someone that is described with the second person pronoun, yourself. Of course, Jesus tells us that God there is the Father, but the only true God is a single person with yourself being that reference. That is, again, a singular reflexive pronoun there at the beginning of John 17, verse 5. Moving on, let's look at our fourth passage for the day. This is in Luke chapter 6, verse 35. Jesus tells us about how we need to be demonstrating love and compassion. In Luke 6, 35, Jesus commands his followers by saying, Love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And ye will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. That's Luke 6, 35. Jesus describes the Most High, namely the Most High God, and Jesus tells us that the Most High God is someone who is referred to as he himself. He himself. And when we look here at the Greek of this, what we actually find is the independent third person pronoun that is used in an intensive way. The way that 
verbs typically work in Greek is that the subject is bound up in the verb. So you don't need to have an independent pronoun to tell us that God is kind. The verb kind is going to have this subject that's bound up in it. But here we actually have the independent pronoun oftos that's used. And when that's used in Greek, all of the Greek grammars will tell you this, that the addition of the independent pronoun, when the subject is already bound up in the verb, is used for an intensive purpose. Meaning, he himself is kind. There's an emphasis there on he himself. So the Most High God, according to Jesus, is a single person, a single self. The Most High is one single person. And that is emphasized here with the intensive use of the independent pronoun in Luke 6, verse 35. So there's another way that Jesus teaches his followers that the Most High God is only one person. Very simple. Let's look at our next passage. Passage number five. Here it's in John 13, verse 32. And Jesus says, if God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. John 13, verse 32. So we've got a variety of pronouns here. And it might be a little bit difficult to make sense of how they're being distinguished. But it's very clear that God is being described and somebody else is being described with God. God is glorified in him, but then God will also glorify him in himself. Namely, the reference to himself there is a reference back to God. And so we can see this in the Greek with the preposition in and then the independent pronoun off toe of course, in the dative, because the preposition in requires the dative case for the pronoun. So God will glorify him in himself. It's a reference back to God, and it describes that one God very clearly here as a single person, only one person. God is described here as a single self with that independent pronoun which is singular. It's not plural. It can't be translated as plural. It is very clearly and unambiguously singular. So Jesus here is describing God as a single person, as only one person. Passage number six. Now we move into the book of Acts. Acts chapter two, verse 39, which says, For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. Acts 2, verse 39. So here, Peter is giving this speech on the day of Pentecost, and he describes that the Lord our God is going to call people that are close and that are far off, and God is going to call them to himself. And this is actually demonstrated with the middle voice in the verb. We've seen this already in one of our previous examples, but the middle voice indicates that the subject is doing the action to himself or for himself. 
and it's a reference to the subject being a single person. The Lord our God, and then we have the verb of calling, proskalesite, and that verb is in the middle voice, indicating that the subject is doing the action to himself or for himself. And it's another way of indicating that Kyrios o Theos, the Lord our God, is only one person, one single self. Not two persons, not three persons, only one person. Next passage. It's our seventh passage we'll look at. And this is in Acts 14, verses 15 through 17. It's a little bit of a read, but you'll get the sense of the subject and how it's being described here. So let's start off in verse 15. Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you and preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In the generations gone by, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, and yet he did not leave himself without witness. That's Acts 14, verses 15 through 17. So there we can see that God is being described as the living God, who is a single person, the one who is the creator, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them. Of course, he, single person, permitted all the nations, and he did not leave himself without a witness. And the way that this phrase himself is depicted in the Greek is with the independent pronoun, often, which is in the singular, and it is the object of the verb. Of course, the verb is in reference to God. God has not left himself without a witness. So this reference, of course, is referring to God. God has not left him, namely himself, without a witness. And you can see all of the modern translations are pretty clear that this is a reference back to God. They'll translate it as God has not left himself. Often there being a singular independent pronoun indicating that the living God, the creator, is only one person, a single self. So while the speakers here are not wanting to be worshipped, they are distinguishing themselves as objects of worship from this category of the living God, the true God, the creator God, and describing that creator God as a single person who is only one self. Let's move to our last passage we'll look at today, the eighth passage. This is in Acts 17, verses 24 through 25. This passage says, The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. That's Acts 17, verses 24 through 25. So it's this passage at the end, this section in verse 25, where it says, He himself gives 
to all people life and breath. He himself. And so what we have here is a verb that is singular, and that in and of itself would demonstrate that the subject is a single person. But what we also have in this is the independent pronoun that is used in the intensive. I talked about earlier the fact that we don't need independent pronouns to demonstrate that a singular subject is only one person. That is indicated by the verb by itself. But when the writer gives us the independent pronoun, in addition to a verb that already tells us that the subject is a single person, then it's specifically used for emphasis. It's used to highlight and to stress something. So it's not that this passage should be read since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. It should be read with the emphasis, namely, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. There's a stress there. He himself with the intensive use of oftos, the independent pronoun that is used in addition to the verb. And what does this mean? It means that here, when Paul is speaking on Mars Hill in the Areopagus, he describes the true God, the God who actually is the creator, the maker of the world and all things in it, the actual Lord of heaven and earth, is a single person. He himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. So Paul here, of course, in the context, is contrasting the unknown gods with the true God, the living God. And in doing so, Paul describes the living God as a single person, as only one person. And he highlights it here with the intensive use of oftos, the independent pronoun. So there you have it. There you have eight passages where there's a little bit of technical Greek, but any introductory Greek student should be able to verify all of these points. These are not controversial points. These are very basic points in the Greek language, in Greek grammar. And they, in my opinion, are some untapped arguments to show that the New Testament, in many more ways than we might have originally thought, is continuing to depict the only true God as a single person, as only one person, namely the Father alone. So next week we'll look at more passages in which this particular phenomenon takes place, specifically in the New Testament. And so I appreciate you so much for listening to this week's episode. And please join us next week as we look at probably eight, nine, ten more passages that show that God is only one person from the Greek text, from the Greek New Testament. So please look forward to that next episode. That will be episode 203. Now, if you enjoy the podcast, please consider supporting us as we aim to promote the sound truths about the oneness and unity of God and the humanity of Jesus. If you'd like to offer a donation, you may check out the episode's link for a reference to PayPal. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast is produced by Dustin Williams. I am Dustin Smith, your host. Until next time, please take care.